0: Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren.
2: Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio. Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself.
0: Joshua P. Warren, and each week on this show, I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more on this edition of the program. Say these words and mantras and see what happens. This will be interesting. Think about this. How does a word Become a word. I mean, originally, I'm not talking about creating a word out of words that have already existed, like maybe taking smoke and fog and combining them to create smog or a spoon and a fork and combining them to make a spork. I'm talking about the original spoken expression. Um, how, how does an abstract sort of concept, whether it is associated with an object or or simply a thought, how does that get turned into a vibration that somehow represents it? Now, some words just match sounds that occur around you, uh, like they just basically mimic them. For example, a cannon goes boom. All right. That makes sense because boom is, again, just a a, a mimicking of the actual sound that the thing makes. You drop a stone in a pond, and it goes plop, bloop, you know, plop. Uh, That makes sense. And as a matter of fact, that type of phenomenon where a word just emulates or imitates a, a sound, that phenomenon is called, here we go, onomatopoeia. I had to practice that one onomatopoeia. So this would be like, Oh, uh, a bird goes chirp. Kind of sounds like what a bird does. A cat goes meow. Pig goes oink. That's onomatopoeia. But what about language that doesn't necessarily connect to a certain universal sound? I mean, like that is why that you cannot immediately understand the language of another culture. They have words to describe the the same things that that you have in your life to some extent, but they've come up with different words. So what is this process about? What is, is there something magical about utilizing this connection between the mind and the intention and all these, again, sort of uh, abstract mental things and expressing a vibration that somehow alters the physical world. And this is complicated uh, because we're talking about maybe even how a parental figure teaches you words and word association when you're when you're just a little baby, basically. And then gradually, you really just learn to speak by imitation without even necessarily understanding what the individual words mean. You just hear a phrase which is a long sound, and you repeat it. Say, where is the bathroom? In English, you don't even think about each individual word. Or you say, donde esta el baño? In Spanish, it's the same thing. But I, I know how to ask for the bathroom, donde este el baño, without even actually thinking about what I'm saying, because I'm just repeating that sound. Someone says that to you, and then they take you to the bathroom, and then you just memorize that and repeat it. And I think a lot of early European settlers in America learned to communicate with Native Americans that way. Let me just say this on a side note. I'm not sure exactly how this applies, but, you know, Lauren, she asked me oh, a couple of years ago. She was reading the book Tarzan, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and uh, I, I've i read hearts of Tarzan a long time ago, but she was telling me that, you know, Tarzan is this little baby and um, somehow his, you know, his family gets wrecked in the jungle and he's the only one who survives. And then when he, so he, he has no real memory of human contact. Uh, he's raised by apes, of course. And then uh, when he gets old enough, apparently he goes into some cabin that had some of his parents' belongings and he finds a, a picture book, for children that has uh, pictures and words. This is a book to teach kids how to read. And according to the novel, Tarzan uses this to teach himself to read. And Lauren said, is that possible? Could you just teach yourself to read like that without having any kind of human guidance? If you just found, you know, pictures with words written there. And at first I was like, you know, I don't think so. I mean, I was, this is one of those like scratch your brain for a while. It's like, I don't think so. And I was thinking, well, I don't know. I mean, like, okay, imagine, imagine I gave you a book with all of these pictures of these crazy looking space aliens that you've never seen. Maybe they look like jellyfish or, you know, some kind of stuff at the bottom of the ocean. Anyway, there's, these are aliens you've never seen. You don't know what they're about. You don't know what they're up to, but I give you this book and below the pictures, uh, there is a symbol for each one. Now, this is, this is nothing that is meaningful to you. Um, and so, if you, if you look at the symbol and you associate that symbol With that alien, you might be able to draw that association over time. And when you see that symbol, it represents that alien. But I I don't think that's quite the same as reading. Is it? Is it? Maybe that's a very basic form of reading. Very basic form. Maybe Tarzan could see a pic of an ape and the word ape below it. And then he sees a pic of a banana and the word banana And so later he sees the word ape next to the word banana. And then maybe he could presume that this is indicating that an ape is eating a banana since he knows what an ape is and he knows what a banana is. Is that a basic form of reading? I guess. I guess it is. But it takes a lot of inference in some cases. So, okay, again. Let's get back to the the question here. For any particular culture, why do original words become original words? Why that word association? And, you know, if, if I speak a phrase into a glass of water using my parasymatics technique, and I'm speaking English... I'm sure that that water will display a different pattern than if I'm speaking Spanish or German. But does that matter? Or is it the thought behind the words that really matter? This is when you really start thinking about this stuff. I mean, it's so simple. You deal with words and language in in every single day. But again, it's just like, you know, you're, you're used to it. You don't necessarily step and look at it objectively. Do you know what a grimoire is? Because you listen to this show, you probably do. Um, if you don't, here is the most basic definition. Grimoire, this is spelled G-R-I-M-O-I-R-E. G-R-I-M-O-I-R-E. And this is simply a book of spells or a spell book, a textbook of magic typically including instructions on how to create magical objects, talismans, rituals, amulets, charms, divination, all that stuff, uh, often taps into the idea of angels, spirits, deities, demons. The ancient Egyptians were creating these types of, of books that we would now call grimoires. In ancient Mesopotamia, uh, some of the most famous grimoires and, that you can add to your collection, if you so <laughs> are so inclined, from the Middle Ages are like the Black Pullet or the Red Dragon. Um, of course, maybe you've heard of the Necronomicon. I recently did a program where I was talking about H.P. Lovecraft, and I mentioned that the Necronomicon is actually a fictional grimoire that he created uh as a literary device to use in his stories and he drew on a lot of real grimoires for that but it, it's it's kind of started taking on a, a life of its own but i will i was, i want to caution you now if you decide to go out and get some of these old spell books and grimoires don't just play around with that stuff if you don't know what you're doing i mean honestly there's one in particular i don't even want to tell you more about because it, it could be very dangerous if it's in the wrong hands but okay we're coming up on a break. When we come back, I want to tell you something very interesting about the concept of the grimoire and how that this applies to your ability to speak things into existence. And we're going to work our way into some powerful words and phrases. And yes, mantras. Um, words are truly magical. Like I say, this is going to be good. Uh, before we break, let me remind you now. Look, you don't really need help in your life until you're truly feeling helpless. And if you're struggling right now financially, or with a relationship, or with your wellness, and you're trying to manifest something and it seems impossible, you're at the end of your rope. Go to JoshuaPWarren.com, sign up for my free e-newsletter there if you haven't done this already. It takes you two seconds. You put your email address in there. You hit the submit button and you will instantly receive an automated email from me anywhere in the world. And it's got some links to some free gifts there and some free wisdom, some free charms that can help you start turning your life around and make it magical. You I, Again, you don't really realize that you need help until sometimes you feel like, there's nothing that can be done All is lost That's when you're most open-minded So go to joshuapwarren.com Sign up for that free e-newsletter there No period after the P I am Joshua P. Warren And you're listening to Strange Things On the I Radio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network And I will be right back
1: Stay right there. There's more Joshua P. Warren coming right up.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash-strange-things today to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P. dot com/slash-strange-things.
4: Started talking about this incident.
8: It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish.
4: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com.
4: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren. Beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. Think about this. The grimoire is a spell book, right? And do you know that our English word grammar, the word grammar is essentially rooted in the word grimoire. In other words, proper usage of grammar is sort of being, it's, it's a, it's a magical form of spell casting. The implications are that all words have power and grammar, grammar, which is a mastery Overusing these words correctly can create magic. Politicians know this and they rule the world with it. Speaking words, they are truly magical. Spells are just forms of this. I talk about it uh this thing spell casting in my ebook called Finding Your Magic that you can uh you can get in my online curiosity shop. Again, it's an ebook and audiobook. You could just download it. And here's something that I, I think might give you uh, another perspective on this. Whether or not you believe in the Bible, the concept of the power of the word is the foundation of everything. In the Bible, book of John, chapter one, verse one, it says, quote, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God, End quote. See, spoken words are vibrations, and vibrations shift matter and make things happen in the material world. And it even says that Jesus was the word. Uh, John, let's see, one fourteen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay? So, look, don't you think it's weird, though? This is something that occurs to me sometimes. Don't you think it's weird that Jesus supposedly never wrote anything down? Uh John chapter eight says that Jesus bent down at one point in one scene and he wrote with his finger on the ground. Something in the sand there. Uh, it goes on to say, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But what did he write? We don't know. (laughs) He never left uh, a book that we found, I guess. But he apparently talked a lot, though. So you see, I'm illustrating here for you, however you want to look at it, from many different points of view, the power of words and thinking about them in a way that may be new to you a more magical way of seeing them. And I am going to give you a phrase to say out loud soon. This is a new experiment. This may, it's very simple, but it may have earth shattering effects on your life, improving your life at light speed. We'll see. It's an experiment, no harm done. But first I want to point something else out about this process of using language and expressing words to, to achieve something. Um, I, you know, people, sometimes they get kind of confused by me because they say like, what, you, you do a little of everything. Like what, what kind of magical tradition or, or what kind of religion or what kind of philosophy are you working with? And I say, look, the world's a big place. And I think that it's fascinating to experiment with different things from different cultures. It's, it's almost like uh, it's almost like food uh one night you maybe you want to go out and have some uh some asian food the next night you want to go have some mexican food the next night you want to go have you know some uh some texas steak uh i mean like i'm saying it's like it's like you experiment with 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 traditions from cultures very similar with how you experiment with different aspects of food um because you know in this world Culturally speaking, we all have a lot in common, but we all deal with the world differently. And one magical tradition that's very interesting to me is the mantra. Okay. Let me tell you just in a, in a very concise way here what a mantra is, looking at the definition. A mantra, which is Sanskrit, is a sacred utterance, a sound, a syllable, Or a group of words, etc. Uh, In Sanskrit, Pali, and other languages believed by practitioners to have religious, magical, or spiritual powers. The earliest mantras were composed in Vedic Sanskrit in India. At its simplest, the word Om serves as a mantra. It is believed to be the first sound which was originated on earth. Um okay. Um it says the sound when produced creates a reverberation in the body, which helps the body and mind to be calm. In more sophisticated forms, mantras are melodic phrases with spiritual interpretations such as a human longing for truth, reality, light, immortality, peace, and so on. Okay. One of the things that I find most interesting about the concept of the mantra, though, is that it's spelled the is the root word there, and that is the word for mind. And Tra, T-R-A, is the root word for instrument. So a mantra is literally an instrument of the mind. Now certain sounds that you can make are sounds that uh, transcend a particular language. They're like Music that just comes directly from the mind. Uh, These are sounds that will kind of free the mind and and allow your thoughts to shape the world by just releasing these vibrations repeatedly. And it's believed that repetition of these mantras is one of the the real keys to how they become effective. Uh, It reminds me of how when you go out into the woods, you see some trail uh, in the middle of the thick vegetation. And uh, that trail has just been cut there because over and over and over, animals, people, or whatever, just repeatedly walked through that little stretch. And uh, over time, it creates a trail. No one individual did it, but combined over time, they all did it. How often do you drive in a nail with only one strike of the hammer? Repetition, right? Right. I've talked about mantras before on uh, one of my old podcasts, Joshua P. Warren Daily. I talked about how that Dr. Stephen Greer, he will, he of course, he takes people out into the field to try to more or less summon these encounters with these otherworldly beings. Call them UFOs, aliens, UAP, interdimensional, whatever they are. He goes out and he takes people and, uh, you know, the CE5 stuff and he says, uh, we're going to sit down and we are going to sort of meditate. And there is this mantra that, uh, he said you can use if you want to more or less summon, you know, one of these experiences. It comes from the sacred Vedic Sanskrit. Here, here it is. This is, this is what he said. All right. Um, Nama. Um, so, apparently, if you want to go out and you want to see something interesting in the sky, you're supposed to, like, really relax, get away from distractions, get rid of your cell phone, all that kind of stuff. And you just go out and you sit there and you go, om um, nah, ma. Um, nah, ma. So, that's kind of spelled like O-M-N-A-M-A-H. Um, nah, ma. Okay, so you can go, you can try that out if, if you're interested. So, and I have seen some pretty strange things in the sky when I have have done this, and, and a lot of other people have as well. So there is something to it. But now, I recently started reading this book by, I think, one of the best authors on magic out there. And his name is Ball Kadmon, and uh, that's spelled first name B-A-A-L. Last name, K-A-D-M-O-N, Ball Cadmon. And he's written a bunch of stuff. And he's, he's good at breaking down a lot of magical stuff that's kind of complicated into things that are not, you know, nearly as complex. And, um, so I started reading this book that he wrote called Moldavite Magic. Tap into the stone of transformation using mantras. And, uh, I actually, I have a, um, let's see, I guess an Amazon prime membership. And so sometimes I get to read stuff for free. And so I was able to read this for free actually, uh, through Kindle unlimited. Maybe you could, uh, could do the same, but anyway, we're kind of take a break here. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what Moldavite is. If you don't already know, it's this very interesting gym. And then I'm going to share with you some of these mantras for, for money Uh, for physical healing that you're supposed to use while you're meditating with this stone. And then I'm going to lead up to a phrase that I just, I've been using this and it's working for me. And I'm going to share this with you. I've never talked about this before. And some of you, it it may sound counterintuitive at first when I tell you what I'm going to tell you, but just wait and see, this could be a game changer for you. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeart Radio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be back after these important messages. Hey, the Coast hey, to coast, coast, AM coast AM YouTube
1: channel is waiting for you now. Go to coasttocoastam.com for more information.
8: It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish.
4: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
2: Mexico will likely have its first female president.
4: And then you have China
2: Every eight minutes, the American Red Cross brings help and hope to people in need. Thanks to the support of everyday heroes like you, the Red Cross is able to respond to disasters big and small, support military families, help ensure that blood is available when needed, and teach life-saving skills like CPR and first aid. Be a hero. Donate today. Visit redcross.org or call 1 800 Red Cross.
4: We started talking about this incident drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's
5: like the police knew who he was before they
6: got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She breathing? Yeah, she's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that
5: that guy's a doctor.
4: I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles.
7: When people fall in line, they fall in line.
2: Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew.
4: This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption.
8: We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them
4: to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Thanks for listening. Keep it here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast-to-Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. They say 15 million years ago, a meteorite crashed in the area around southern Germany that we now kind of refer to as Czechoslovakia, the Czech Republic. And when this thing hit that one, uh, that one meteorite, it created this one batch of green glass that looks like kryptonite from Superman. And it's called Moldavite. And this is actually a type of tektite. Tektites are, are natural glass formed from terrestrial debris ejected during meteorite impacts. And moldavite is one of the most sought after tektites in the world because it, you can only get it from this one impact zone. And a little piece of moldavite is very expensive. And so, um, at least compared to a lot of, you know, stuff that you would find at, at your gym shop there. And so, uh, this, this fella, Ball Kadmon and his book that I was mentioning to you called Moldavite Magic, tap into the stone of transformation using mantras. He says this is the most powerful manifestation stone that he's ever used. And that he said, if you get one of these things and you hold it in your hand and you repeat some certain mantras, that you'll be astounded how quickly that what you want manifests. And so I said, well, I'm going to try this out. So first off, I had to do some real work to find a legitimate piece of Moldavite because it turns out because it's so rare, there are a lot of fakes out there and you don't want to waste your money on something that's fake. And then, you know, you get it and it's maybe it's not even going to work for you. And you, so. I, I, did a lot of research and I know a lot of people in the business. And so I was able to validate and get some authentic Moldavite from Czechoslovakia there. And, uh, I guess, I guess it's the Czech Republic now. I, I can't anyway look. So, um, so I got this and I honestly, you know, I always have very, very good luck. But for about a week or so, I kind of had like a string of bad luck happening. I had some like stuff uh, happen at my house, you know, some stuff break down that needed to be repaired. It was real pain. And just like, you know, just little things like that. So I was like, I'm going to turn this around. I started doing some of these mantras and boy, sure enough, things started turning around very, very quickly. Uh Let me share uh, a couple of mantras with you, though, that are from his book here. And these are mantras that have been around forever, so there's one here for physical healing, and that mantra is "Aum Sri Vantre Namaha," "Aum Sri Dhanvantari Namaha," "Aum Sri Dhanvantari Namaha," "Aum Sri Dhanvantari Namaha." So what you do if you needed physical healing, according to this book, is you'd hold that stone in your hand. And you would meditate on that just over and over that vibration. You'd put that out there. Or if you want to attract money, here is the meditation for that. Om um, Shri Mahalakshmi Yaswaha. 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 Um, Shri Mahalakshmi Yaswaha. <laughs> And he's got all these different, you know, these different kind of mantras for different purposes that are all based upon the Sanskrit there. And, you know, mantras, spells, prayers, they're all based on matching thoughts and expressing them with some kind of a vibration that you're sending out to the universe. And I tell you what, um, when I bought my Moldavite, uh, and this is beautiful, beautiful Moldavite, I got... Uh, 20 additional pieces because I knew I was going to talk about this on the podcast. And I thought if some of you want to experiment with this, I'd hate for you to go out and get a piece of mold That's fake. So I got 20 pieces of moldavite. They're tall. Uh, excuse me. They're small. They're like the size of a, of a dime. Uh, and they're not cheap, but at least, you know, they're legit. You know, they've been authenticated. I even tested them here in my lab. They're, it's real Moldavite. Uh, as long as I have those, if you go to JoshuaPWarren.com and click the link to the Curiosity Shop, you'll see at the top there over on the right, a green letters, it says Moldavite. And if you see that and you click on it, then uh, you can try to buy one of these 20 pieces of Moldavite. And I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll throw in some of these mantras and, uh, maybe another cool little goodie for you as well. Um, because I, I'd be interested in getting this in the hands of some people who like to experiment like I do. So if you go to joshuapwarren.com and you, you don't, you don't see the word moldivite in the curiosity shop near the top, well, then they're gone. So anyway, uh, here is, okay, in addition to practicing mantras, here is a thought that occurred to me and this is going to sound kind of counterintuitive and and it might even sound really bad to some of you but let me explain when you do something as simple as say a prayer it falls right in line with what i'm talking about here mantras spells speaking these things the word it's all the same and here's what i found that that, that you should, here, here's one way of praying sometimes that I think will be very, very helpful for you. Um, and if you're not the type of person who prays, then you can just express a thought into the universe clearly. It's the same thing. All right. And what I found is a lot of people dilute their prayers because what they're actually doing is taking, um, they are taking their time and they're praying for everybody else. I'm going to pray for, you know, my friends and my family and the world and, and, and you can include yourself in there, but, but I think we spend so much time praying for other people that maybe you should pause once in a while and just say, look, forget everybody else. I'm just going to pray for me. Now you're, you're like, what? Josh, that doesn't sound right. Let me explain if you're on an airplane and there's some kind of a disaster and the oxygen bag falls from from above they always say put it on yourself first then you can put it on your kid then you can put it on your loved one as well you can help them but if you don't put it on yourself first then you could pass out and now you're useless and too often i think that we may we may may pray or put something out to the universe uh, for other people, which is a wonderful, great thing to do, but we might not be praying enough for ourselves because if you help yourself first, this gives you the ability to do more for others. So try this. Just take a break just for a few days Uh and stop praying for every everybody else, every Tom, Dick and Harry out there. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to just say. At least once a day, whenever you, again, if you can say this to God, the universe, whatever it is, I want you to pause and I want you to just keep it simple and you just say, please make me healthy, wealthy, and happy. Please make me healthy, wealthy, and happy. And then say, thank you. Forget asking to be wise. You're already wise since you listen to this podcast. Just keep it that simple. Just end it. Please make me healthy, wealthy, and happy. Thank you. Leave it at that. Do that and see if you start actually becoming so much more powerful that you're able to help other people. I want to share something with you real quick here before we hit this break. That has something to do with the power of words and language. I was reading this news story and this actually came out. Oh, a few years ago, Pentagon scientists have figured out how to make talking plasma laser balls to use as non-lethal weapons. So imagine, okay, you're running through a field or whatever, like on a battlefield and all of a sudden, Boom, this light of some kind appears in front of you, a plasma ball, and it starts speaking to you and saying, stop, or we'll be forced to fire upon you, and then maybe starts blasting confusing noises, and maybe even has the power to zap you and sting you a little bit. This comes to me from militarytimes.com, militarytimes.com. They say this thing can pass through glass and into a building. It can't yet penetrate other solid barriers, but uh, they've been developing this in the lab, and pretty soon they're going to have this in the field. Now you're running through a field, and all of a sudden, you see, again you see a ball of light, and here's an actual recording of what it sounds like. Okay, listen to this. This is this is a laser that has appeared in front of you and as a ball of plasma or whatever. And here's what it actually says. This is a real recording.
4: Stop or we will be forced
0: to fire upon you. Okay. You got that? It said, stop or we will be forced to fire upon you. I'm going to play this for you one more time. Imagine a light appears and says this to you. Stop or we will be forced to fire upon you. Wouldn't that be crazy? A big, glowing plasma laser thing appears and starts talking to you. What does that remind you of? Maybe hmm, a little bit of the burning bush that was talking to Moses. God talking to Moses in the burning bush. The power of words. When we come back, I'm going to share some more powerful words with you. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio Radio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network, and I will be right back.
4: The four.
1: The Art Bell Vault has classic audio waiting for you now. Go to coasttocostam.com for details.
4: We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's
5: like the police knew who he was
6: before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC
4: This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption.
8: We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish.
4: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around
4: the world.
0: You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
4: We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts.
5: It's like the police knew who he was before
6: they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC
4: This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption.
8: We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow
4: them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>
2: Are you looking for that certain someone who shares your interests in UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and the paranormal? Well, look no further than ParanormalDate.com, the unique site for like-minded people. If you like the senior crowd, try ParanormalDate.com seniors to meet like-minded people that are 60 plus. It all depends on what you prefer. ParanormalDate.com is great for everyone. You can also tap into members that are 60 plus at ParanormalDate.com slash seniors. Enjoy your search and have some fun at ParanormalDate.com.
0: Back to the final segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren, and words have power. I think sometimes words have power because you don't understand them, you don't know what's being said, it's just a vibration. Maybe a universal thing, almost like music, that just puts you into a certain state that happens to resonate with a certain thing in the environment that you want to happen, and you don't need to distract yourself with understanding it. In other cases, when you understand the, the words, now you can communicate, and people who can communicate with each other, uh, well, <laughs> they team up, and that is how... People rule the world. They, they do it with a microphone. Uh, I myself have always been, have all my endeavors, I've, I've always considered myself first and foremost a writer. I started writing books when I was a kid and I really understood and appreciated the value of words. And in fact, even as you listen to me right now, yes, I'm speaking, but I still consider this to be a form of writing. I may not be writing it down on paper right now, but the same ultimate effect is occurring. I am writing this in my mind and expressing it to you. And that is why I am absolutely thrilled to let you know that I wrote the foreword to the new book by my buddy David Weatherly. And, of course, I wrote the foreword to one of his great books that came out not too long ago called Monsters of the Tar Hill State, Cryptids and Legends of North Carolina. Well, now, now here is the new book. You probably know that I created a tour in Boulder City, Nevada, which is a 30 minutes drive outside of Las Vegas. It's called the Haunted Boulder City Ghost and UFO Tour. It's been a huge success. We've sold thousands of tickets. Um, it's, it's been all over the news. The, the reviews on TripAdvisor are wonderful. And so, uh, David said he'd been doing a lot of research there. And so we teamed up and said, Hey, let's do this. Let's make a book. So he wrote local haunts, Boulder city, Nevada, ghost UFOs, and more. And I want to read to you the foreword that I wrote for this book. Just came out. Boulder city, Nevada is haunted. But many of the people there don't want to discuss that. It took me a while to figure out why. The town was created to house the Hoover Dam workers. These men were entrusted with huge, dangerous explosives and expensive equipment. If there were any hint of a worker being unstable or insane, that worker was promptly removed from the project. It's always risky to admit that you've seen a ghost. Some people will immediately question your sanity. Therefore, talking about it gained the workers nothing, and yet they could lose a valuable job. And so, an unspoken tradition was passed down through generations of Boulder City residents. Almost everyone had heard the spooky stories, but discussing them was taboo. Even worse, some residents believed that dwelling on ghost stories might be bad luck, attracting death and misfortune. Thus, for generations, the phantoms of Boulder City were only mentioned in whispers. As a paranormal investigator, when I began interviewing people in Boulder City, I was often viewed with suspicious eyes. It seemed everyone wanted to tell me something, but that culture of secrecy was hard to break. After all, the United States government owns 85% of Nevada, more than any other state, and the world's most top-secret projects take place there, often around the infamous Area 51. There are so many tales of UFOs, spirits, and weird creatures, and the state that is known known as the Erie-Nevada Triangle connects Las Vegas to Reno, Nevada and Fresno, California. It's even more paranormally active than the Bermuda Triangle, and thus it seems fitting that Nevada became a state on Halloween, October 31st of 1864. The ground is filled with gold, silver, and other highly conductive metals and minerals, and although it's called the Silver State, Nevada is the fourth largest producer of gold in the world and the largest in the United States. There is a connection between paranormal activity and electromagnetic anomalies, and the landscape of Nevada naturally pulsates with erratic electric fields. Boulder City is a quiet, charming place with a history of tragedies. Building the Hoover Dam was a dangerous project, claiming many lives. Additionally, the stress surrounding the work triggered other problems. Tempers were short in the scorching desert heat, and although alcohol was legally banned, it was heartily consumed in town, adding fuel to domestic problems resulting in murder and suicide. The combination of Nevada's geology and the dry air crackling with electrostatic energy, along with the tense human drama, culminated in the perfect conditions for a haunted little town. Dreary spirits lingered, and the landscape charged them, powered them, allowed them to manifest at times. My research led me to ultimately create the Haunted Boulder City Ghost and UFO Tour. It's the first paranormal walking tour in the city's history. I was uncertain what the response would be, but I sold 2,000 tickets right off the bat. This was proof that the region was finally ready to talk about the secrets of the past. And this book, my good friend David Weatherly, one of the world's greatest authors, has given you some of the information from the tour, plus some other tales that go even further. It is an easy read and a great overview of what makes Boulder City such a special place. Whether you're a lifelong local, or a tourist in town for the weekend, our goal is to surprise and educate you. During the day, you can stroll the streets of historic Boulder City, enjoying wine bars, antique stores, and quirky gift shops. All is warm and calm. All the people are smiling. It's an old fashioned, all American time capsule. But when the sun goes down, and the dark streets become quiet and desolate. You will hear things and see things that you cannot explain. Just be patient and still. In these pages, David Weatherly will tell you why these strange phenomena exist in Boulder City. And if you haven't already, please join us for a walking tour. It's an easy walk, suitable for all ages. We'll do our best to show you in person, why Boulder City is a paranormal dream come true. Joshua P. Warren, Las Vegas, Nevada, December 2021 If you want to read this book, go to Amazon.com and just do a search for David Weatherly and you can see all of his books. It's so new. I don't even know if you just typed in Boulder City if it would pop up. Uh so last name W E A T H E R L Y. David Weatherly, local haunts, Boulder City, Nevada with the foreword by me and you will not be disappointed. All kinds of great pictures. So uh well, thanks to David for writing this book and for Working with me and uh, giving me the opportunity to write this forward. Very cool. Uh, hey, we're almost out of time. How about a trivia question? I did this once before and everybody seemed to like it. I got, you know, people send me all this kind of like paranormal and weird trivia stuff. Okay, uh, here, here's a monster thingy. Um, okay. This is, this is a good one for, I think, everybody. Which name Is most often given to the fictional island that appears in King Kong films. Is it A, Skeleton Island? Is it B, Tomb Island? C, Death Island? D, Skull Island? E, Ripper, excuse me, Reaper Island? Or F, Fear Island? Okay, one more time. Is it A, Skeleton Island, B, Tomb Island, C, Death Island, D, Skull Island, E, Reaper Island, or F, Fear Island? Okay, if you're with somebody else, tell them. What do you think it is? All right, the answer is... I need like a drum roll for this, don't I? The answer is Skull Island. Skull Island, that's where King Kong hangs out. (laughs) <laughs> all right, my friends, Uh I hope that if you experiment with the mantras and the gemstones, you'll let me know uh, if you get a piece of Moldavite. Uh, like I say, you good luck finding it wherever you can online. But if you get a piece from my shop, at least, you know, it's the real deal and uh charge it up. That's what we're all about here learning how to experiment with ways of manifesting and charging for good purposes. So now it's time for me to play for you your weekly good fortune tone. Take a deep breath. If you can't close your eyes, let's make your next week the best one ever.